Hello, I am Michael. I'm a small business owner. I am an entrepreneur, improv artist, speaker, and uh, always neurotic. Definitely neurotic. I'm a TV host and your host for what we call the Second Scene Podcast. It is a dweebs global production where we give people free mentorship help. Uh, we do everything from resume writing to mental health. It's dweebsglobal.org, completely confidential and completely free. So I'm here today with Simon Cardinal. Simon was in the Canadian Armed Forces for 26 years. While in the Armed Forces, he was able to take many leadership courses, including the Master of Arts in Leadership from the Royal Roads University. After retiring in January of 2021, he took a job as a contractor, which has allowed him to use the skills he learned uh, in the Canadian Armed Forces and from these leadership courses to really follow his true passions. So we will hear about those soon, but thank you. Welcome, welcome to the show. Well, thanks. thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate that. Uh, I'm excited to be able to talk. Awesome. Well, I'm going to start with the Armed Forces and what made you decide to get into the Armed Forces? Yeah, well, you know, uh, so I, as you mentioned, I'm in the, I was in the Canadian Armed Forces. I'm a Canadian. A Putin, I'm sorry, a boot. Fun fact, no one in Canada says a boot. We all no. say about. <laughs> I've anyone who says a boot, but that's a sidebar. Uh, so, so what made me join the forces? You know what? It was really just that 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 little bit of that call call to help want to help people out there was a bit of that but on my dad's side I was fifth generation and on the other side my mother's side it was third generation military and you know it was always just something I saw my dad was in the military we you know I grew up in that environment and it's all I ever really knew but more to that as I was growing up I really saw that what the forces was doing where it was able to help people and really make a, a real difference with their lives not just collect a paycheck and and there's nothing wrong with that. I just, I felt that call and that was always stuck with me. And I knew right from day one that that's what I wanted to do. I was very fortunate because I know many, many people that it takes them a long time to, to get that calling and to understand what it is. So that's, right. that's how I got there. I was in your family. It's what you, what you saw. It's what you looked up to. Exactly. Exactly. What, I, this is kind of a crazy, weird question. What are the Canadian armed forces do? Like what is there? Cause you never think of Canada as a place that's going to be attacked or do an attack. And I guess that they join, I guess, I guess they do go to the yeah. front lines with the United States with some of their allies. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, we have a very similar military structure uh, as, as the U S military and, and a lot of the NATO allies. So we have an air force, uh, an army and a Navy. And so in our case, we have a Royal Canadian air force because we are, we have an attachment and affiliation with the, uh, you know, the, the Commonwealth. We have a Royal Canadian Navy and we have a Canadian army. And so when I joined, I started in the Canadian Army in an infantry regiment called the Royal Canadian Regiment. I don't want to brag. It's obviously the best regiment in Canada, clearly. We're going to we're going to check that. OK, we... good call. Good call. It's all over the Internet and the Internet never <laughs> lies to you. So, you know, and so I did that for five years and I loved that because when I joined the military, I was just barely 19 years old. I was young. I thought I knew everything. I was really thought I was the man. And, you know, joining the infantry, it sounds like a lot of fun. You go, you blow stuff up, you, you, you shoot guns, you get the idea, you do all that kind of cool, fun stuff. But eventually, very quickly, people tend to start breaking down because it's, it's hard on the body. And in uh, the Canadian military, we have an air, an air force. So we do all the same stuff that the, the U.S. military do. We go on deployments and we go on giant exercises and you know, because of the proximity of Canada to, Canada to the United States, mm -hmm. we do a lot of joint exercises. Um, you know, you had mentioned earlier that when we go away, we do something quite often, we do it with the Americans. And, and that's absolutely true. 
the last time I heard, uh, the American military total force was hovering around 1.4 million people. And, you know, the Canadian military has around 67,000. So, you know, we just don't have the force, the size of a force to go anywhere by ourselves. You know, um, probably another really fun fact, the U.S. Navy has more fighter jets, more F-18s on one aircraft carrier than we have in our entire arsenal. So, and and not by like one or two planes, we're talking about a couple of dozen. So you get the idea, right? Like it is a bit like I imagine then it's, it's not, (laughs) it it, is very small. It's, Oh, you're absolutely right. It's, it's not a huge force by any stretch of the imagination, especially when you consider the size of the country and America's got what around, around 400 million people, we've got 37 million. So, you know, roughly 10 times the size and, and then our country geographically is larger than the United States. So it's, it's a challenge, you know, and when we go away in the international stage, we quite often have to operate with our allies and we're very good at what we do when we're renowned throughout the world for being very professional and, mm-hmm. and, and being very solid tacticians, but we quite often rely on our neighbors to help us, you know, achieve a, a global operational perspective. Right. Right. Um, so you were in the, you were in the armed forces for 26 years. Is it like our armed forces where it allowed you to go to school and it gave you a lot of other um, benefits? Yeah. Yeah. So it, the way it works is you, you join the military and then you go and get, you go off, do basic training, of course. And then as you progress up the rank structure, you get training to learn how to do the rank that you're at, be a start being a leader, become better technically uh, proficient, whatever you need it to be. And then you go from there. And then as you move a little further up in the ranks, they try, they, the system is trying to spread your wings and help, help the member see more, you know, see some systems thinking if you want to get into that. Um, and then they have different programs that allow other, other avenues for education for myself. What happened was I got to around the 24 year mark and there's a, the, the system had a program where they would cover the majority of the cost of a university degree. I just had to go do it on my own time and stuff, which I'm not complaining. The degree was paid for. And that, that was what led to the master of arts in leadership at Royal roads, which is okay. a Stirling university. Since you were in the best regiment, right? Regiment. No, that's true. Yep, regiment. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> Since you were in the best one, what did what did the best one spend its time doing? What you know, the... so <laughs> it's an excellent question. Uh, it, you know, so when I was there, it was back way back in the early '90s. So I joined in 1994. Um, back then, the the Canadian military was not. How do I word this? Oh, you know what? It was. 25 years later, we were not being supported by the government. I'm okay with saying that, you know, we saw a 25% reduction in in operating budget. You get those types of things. So we didn't do a whole lot starting in 1994. We were going away on some tours and there was, you know, Bosnia was taking place. That was just starting to ramp up for us. So we were starting to expand on that and that was getting very big. But as far as other things, we were really focused on NATO missions and those types of things. What I did on a day-to-day basis was train officers and train non-commissioned officers to, uh, to do with their leadership courses. Quite often I was involved in the training programs. Okay. Okay. How did it, how did it allow you to help people? I know you said you got into it because you really wanted to. That's an excellent question, but I think, I think the way I'm going to reword that is, so how I was able to help people was when I first got in, you know, Canada, we had a couple of uh, natural disasters happen. Uh, The, the Quebec and Ontario ice storms where we saw, you know, close to a foot of ice, just 
all of a sudden appear all, all over the country, all oh, wow. over the, the Ontario, Quebec region and whatnot. We had to, you know, send in the, send in me and with all my regiment and stuff to go in and help people out. So on a domestic aspect, I was able to go in and make sure people were safe and, and, and help take care of people like that. Right. And since then we've seen all kinds of things with, you know, firefighters and all those types of uh, domestic requirements that the military will go in to do myself. I've been involved in, uh, uh, in Swiss, there was an aircraft crash called Swiss Air Flight 111 in Peggy's Cove mm-hmm. in 97 or 98. I'm having a bit of a brain fart. Bear with me. I, and I could never say a specific year. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Happened, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, okay, good. So no judgment. No. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I ended up uh, having to go be part of the quick reaction force to be involved in the, the what was started off as a rescue, but became pretty clear it was a recovery operation to go and, you know, respect the remains of the people that, that were uh, perished on the aircraft and, and collect personal items and those types of things. So not, not fun by any stretch of the imagination, but looking back, you know, I was able to do my part to, to help, help people right. in whatever way I could. Right. I got you. Uh, you know, you caught my ear with the ice storm. We don't have those. Is that literally instead of snow, you're getting a foot of ice? How does that even Pretty much. So what happens is where, where the, uh, the, 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 the weather region is quite often what we'll get around the, the December, January t- uh, timeframe. Um, it starts off as snow and then we just get, it gets just the perfect temperature of warm, like around minus three, minus four Celsius, which I think is like 30 Fahrenheit ish. And, and then it basically starts to rain and then that it's still winter. So then the rain hits the hits, whatever is colder than it. And then it freezes and it just builds and builds and builds. Normally it lasts for a few hours and then it gets cold again and everything just kind of falls off, but not this time, this time it lasted for days. And, you know, you, we, we showed up in Quebec when we got the call out to go try and, and start helping people out. And in, in Quebec, all the main power towers are the power lines are above ground. And as we're driving down the highway in this, this crappy old school bus, we're looking and all, each of the towers just got covered in ice and it got toppled over. And each one just looked at it just for kilometers, just wow. topple, topple, topple. So there was no power, you know, uh, paramedics and the fire services couldn't get anywhere because it was just, the roads were just frozen and stuff. So we ended up being out there for almost a month actually. And there was things like going door to door just to make sure people had food and water. And if they weren't being safe, taking them out of the house because it wasn't a safe environment, that type of stuff. So yeah. got you. Gotcha. I couldn't, I couldn't imagine. We shut down with like two inches of snow in Washington, DC. So <laughs> oh, no, that's a, that's a normal winter day here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, my, my work commute is an hour and I think we got like an inch and a half one day, all of a sudden, and we weren't expecting it. it took me 10 hours to get home. <laughs> Holy wow. that's, that's how bad the area is at <laughs> handling it. Wow. That's, that's insane. Well, in, uh, out in the West coast in British Columbia, uh, that that's very much what it's like. You know, you can drive your motorcycle 11 months of the year out there. Uh, I'm in the Eastern area. And last year, I think they, they said they got something like 380 centimeters, which is, I don't, I don't even know what the thing is. It, it's like a foot of snow. It, it's crazy. And that's, that's an average winter now, <laughs> whatever. Got you. All right. So the, you took, you took classes at the master of arts uh, and leader, or you took the master of arts leadership at the Royal road university. I, People in America aren't going to know what the Royal Roads University is. Oh, okay. I, I can give a little blurb about that if, if you'd Please. prefer. Yeah. yeah, of course. So Royal Roads University it actually started out as, uh, in Canada, we had two military, or sorry, three military colleges. 
kind of like West Point or what are the other ones you guys have? I forget. You get the idea. West Point, that type of thing. And so we had three of them. And then due to the budget cuts in the mid nineties, what happened was Royal Roads just was on the chopping block and, and it got closed down. So a bunch of people got together and they created Royal Roads University, the civilian university. So, and it's out in the West coast in, in British Columbia and Victoria, Can uh, Victoria, British Columbia, Canada. It is one of the most idyllic places you could imagine. If anyone has seen any of the X-Men movies or the Deadpool movies, if you know the castle that Deadpool is, is around, that's actually on the campus. That's oh, wow. that's in Royal Road. So look at it, check it up. It's, it's just amazing. So, and, and then they offered all kinds of different programs and whatnot. And I was able to get into the Master of Arts and Leadership program, not because I have an undergrad degree, which I don't, but what they do is they actually look at a person's whole professional and personal life background. And then the board sits after you write an essay and you, a resume and that type of a thing. And they will say, yeah, right on this person or this has, or does not have the, you know, the aptitude and the acumen to go ahead in this program. And then you get accepted. And, and I, I got, I got accepted. I did have to do a, an, a, an advanced writing course because my writing wasn't quite up to university par yet, but I did that and, and away we went and here we are. Okay, nice. So you did that. At what age did you go back to school and do that? I started that when I was 44. That's yeah. impressive. It's impressive. I was, I'll be honest, I was freaking out. And it was, there were so many reasons why. And it was actually one of the main reasons why I ended up retiring from the military. So, but I'll tell you about that if, if that's okay. Please, yeah. Um, yeah. So I was 44. And I'll be honest, what I was looking at was I was in the military, I was doing very well. I was what's uh, the rank called a master warrant officer, which is pretty high up in the non-commissioned officer rank structure. And all I was really looking for was to get those post nominals, the MA at the end of my name, because I knew that was going to help me do better in my career by being able to go forward. Right. That, that was kind of the goal, the focus. It was a very practical requirement. And so when I applied for the program, that's what I was looking towards. And then, and then I got in and I started the coursing and in my cohort of 38 people, I ended up being the only military person. And that was a, one, of the, one of the many really pivotal moments in this, because all of a sudden I was having to learn and talk about these different leadership aspects that, you know, in a normal world, I would either probably just make fun of them with my other military buddies, or we would just sit there and talk. And you know how it is in different groups, especially in different professions, you all kind of talk the same way and you kind of think the same way and you do your own different thing. Mm -hmm. Well, I didn't have that person to sit back and, and kind of and kind of talk about or whatnot. I had to figure this out. So I had a choice to make. I could either choose to sit, sit back and not do that and just kind of not really put the effort in, or I could open my mind to what this course was offering me. And so I chose option B and I am really, really happy I did that because it'll, it just was a transformative moment for me in that it really helped me see that the leadership principles I had learned in the military through my leadership courses with the military, that the A, they were valid. And then it was teaching me some other stuff that was not generally military, if you want to word it that way. It was things like, you know, I can lead with my heart. You know, you know, you can imagine in the military, it tends to be a very macho, very, very gruff type of thing in right. general, of course. But, you know, uh, all of a sudden I'm having these instructors say to me, well, you know, Simon, uh, that's an interesting concept you're talking about there, but what is, what did your heart tell you in that moment when you were reaming out that young private? Um, 
I, I don't, I don't care what my heart was telling me. I was freaking out on that kid, you know? And, and, and then they, they said, well, no, you, it's very good to think about this. I'd like to offer, I don't know how many times I heard, I'd like to offer that you consider this. And at first I was like, wow, this is, this is you just trying to wordsmith me. But I, I realized, no, they're just trying to help me see something from a different perspective. And so the other thing that the program really great gave me was that I learned that I can be a really good, strong leader with my brain and with my heart, if I tie the two of them together, they can't work separately of each other. You can't always lead with your heart and you can't always lead with your brain. Mm -hmm. But if you put them together, you can be a much more effective, caring, compassionate, stern leader, if that's a requirement, right? And the, so armed, that forces, the armed forces almost beat the emotion out of you. And then, oh. the, then they, <laughs> they had to beat it back into you. Oh, exactly. And that's exactly it. You know, my writing was, uh, what was the term I got? One of my first essays, she said, Simon, you know, you got the content, no problem, but this is so sterile. I could read this in an operating room. <laughs> I was like, oh, I think that's good. <laughs> so. <laughs> so it was like a matter of fact. It oh, very much so. It was like writing a briefing note because that's just what I did. Right. And that's yeah. all I knew. And so I tell you, if I were to show you an essay when I started the program versus when I finished the program, I, I went back and read them and I don't know, it wouldn't look like it was the same person. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing. Did it change you outside of the classes and outside of the armed forces? Oh, very much so. Uh, because one of the things I talked about was the need to understand your heart, mind, body, and soul in, in conjunction with everything else that you're doing. So when I was getting ready to go and do all this, and I really started to embrace the program, uh, I, I came back from this two-week residential portion and I, I, the military gives us time, but an hour and a half a day to go do PT or physical training and whatnot. And, you know, I, I'm at a, I'm at a rank level at the time where I was, I was an administrator. I was really kind of my own boss. So, you know, you know how it is, you get busy. I'll, I'll go later. I'll go later. I'll go tomorrow. And then it's six years later. Right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. We just, it all happens to everyone. Right. Yes, it does. Yeah. <laughs> so I decided, okay, I'm going to take this time if I didn't see how this works. So I did, I, I made a point of going and I started running. Actually, this, it turns out that I'm actually a pretty good runner and I was going to the gym very, very steadily. And I lost like 65 pounds and I didn't even know I did it because that wasn't the motivation to go and do that. It was just, it wasn't any magic pill. I just ate better. I ate less and I exercised more. And over the course of about nine months, I, I lost the weight and that was fine. And I've been able to keep it off because now I understand that that, physical level helps me be, make clearer thoughts, which in turn helps me understand to listen to my heart a little more. So it's this, this really great circle of understanding how it all comes together. Okay. Yeah. So was this, so it wasn't a right, it wasn't a, the master of arts and leadership. So that that's not the course. That's like the whole, that's the whole program. That's yeah. the whole program. So writing was part of it. I guess speaking was part of it. Yeah, exactly. So in the program, they there was a lot of talking about uh, how to understand yourself as a leader, how to understand the different styles of leadership, how to understand, you know, how to be a good follower so that you can make yourself a good leader and those different types of things. What was interesting about that was we weren't talking about kind of generic stuff. We were really speaking to systems thinking and creative tension and, and, and how to understand why system thinking is so important. When does it begin? And all of these different types of little programs that all mattered, which ultimately ended up helping us decide what type of program we would end up doing at the end of uh, the, the master's program. And so students have two options. You can either write a thesis paper 
And then, you know, that's like a standard thesis where you, you write the paper and you, you, you know, you defend it and you go from there. But the school also has a program portion of the, the program called the Engaged Leadership Project. And it, it's just like the name implies it, it's a little project. So you come up with a, a topic that you're going to choose. And in my case, I had really discovered that the Canadian forces was actually quite bad at supporting non-commissioned members and giving them any type of secondary education that didn't directly relate to their particular trade in the military. And so I ended up writing my thesis or my ELP about that. Oh, wow. And yeah, you, you weren't like afraid you of a question there. You weren't afraid of angering, <laughs> pissing anyone off saying that they weren't a, you know what? I was so upset that when I clued into that, uh, I, at first I was, and then I, the more I thought about the topic, the more upset I got. And about that time, it was around that time that I kind of realized that I knew, I didn't think that I could really keep going in the military. It was, might be time for me to go and try and do something else. So I think that also played into, it was like, well, I know I'm leaving, so I can, I can be as vocal as I want to be. And, and actually to continue forward after that the program knowing what i knew now about the lack of support and it's only gotten worse by the way it's a whole other side story gotcha. um it's a shame yeah uh, it yeah it, it's very frustrating to me it makes me very really mad um the <laughs> the i found that now that i'm out i can actually be that loud vocal voice because i don't need to you know, worry about the rank structure. I don't need to say, you know, or, you know, like I have to be polite, of course, otherwise no one's going to listen to me, but, but I can, I can, I don't have to worry about the politics of being inside the military. I don't have to worry about hurting my career because someone's not going to like what I say because I can do this. And I've actually going to be a part of the international society of military sciences. I hope I'm waiting to find out this week. And I'm able to now talk at the, at the international level about this and hopefully, you know, help, other NCMs, especially in the Canadian military, get a better program for them so that they can experience what I experienced. You know, um, I'll give you an example really quick. Okay. The program that that I did, that Master of Arts in Leadership, is no longer uh, and the military the military paid for it is no longer going to be paid for by the military, even though I was what was considered a senior non commissioned officer or senior non commissioned member in a in a systemic leadership role. They were not going or an institutional systemic leadership role they were not going to fund that anymore because it didn't relate to my trade, which was crazy. So anyways, the sidebar. <laughs> right. So that that's, yeah, it sounds like they're not giving good support to their, it's, it's going to stop people from wanting to go to the military, wanting to go to the I, Air Forces. It's, it, if they're not supporting what they're going to be doing afterwards. I, I think so. I don't, don't get me wrong. Like there's a lot of really amazing things about the forces and I'm not trying to suggest that people shouldn't join, but I, I am certainly saying that it's not a perfect system and that things need to change because I feel, and I, and we have, I was able to prove it to a certain extent that the system still considers itself more like it's in the sixties and seventies when NCOs most of the time didn't even have high school. And now it's quite common to see people with, with degrees and, and even graduate degrees in their senior NCOs. So it makes a big difference. So just needs to get caught up with the times. Gotcha. Hey, well, with the leadership program, what's, what's one or two uh, key things that you can share with us and the listeners uh, that you took away from it that have been huge helps? Oh yeah, for sure. So the, the one, one, one is in a practical sense in that I think we talked about it earlier that passion is important. You know, I came into this program with the, just a very practical desire to have those, that MA at the end of my name. And then I realized that leading without passion, it, it, it just, 
it limits a person's ability to see the big picture. If you're just doing it to do it, I get it. Sometimes that has to happen. Sometimes you just got to put your blinders on and drive forward. But if you're in charge and you don't have that passion to be in charge, it will limit your ability to take care of your people, which should be, I, I believe, everyone's top priority, and then worry about what the company's directives are. And that passion limits you. Without that lack of passion limits you. Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. And I would say that the, the second thing, and it kind of leads into the podcast that I had started was as soon as you start becoming a leader, there's a thousand gajillion books out there. there the internet has got information everywhere. So many. Start learning about it. Don't wait until you're all of a sudden the senior team lead to understand how to be a senior team leader. Mm -hmm. The information is there. It's available. Go figure it out because as emerging leaders, you know, you're all, if you're, if you're a leader and you haven't considered that you're, you're already behind and your team will see that 100% of the time, they will notice when you're not ready. I guarantee it. <laughs> What's the biggest difference uh, with you being a leader uh, currently to when you were a leader in the military. What's oh. the what's the biggest difference? <laughs> <laughs> that, you know that that's a great question. <laughs> from a from a, a if I could, I've got two little things with that. The, the first one is when if you remember earlier, I was talking about the sterility of my 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 essays and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things my my work recognized with me when I was in the military was I, I carry that exact same ideology over when I did e-work emails. You know, as far as I'm concerned, an, an email is a work tool. And so it's not, hey, how's it going today? You know, how was your weekend? You know, I hope your flowers are blooming. It was good day. I need this. Have a good day. Send. <laughs> and, and so now, old. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Right. And now the role, I work for a company called Callion and I'm a contract manager. So it's very much an administrator role. It, it, you know, I like what I job. I like what I do. I like the job. The people are fantastic, but I was doing the exact same thing. And I would be sending out these emails. Hi, I need this by this date, make sure it happens. And I wouldn't even be saying, I need this by this date. I, I require this by COB close of business NLT no later than Tuesday, 3 July, 2021 period. And then not even a good day. It's just my, my signature block and away it would go. And not even giving it a second thought because in my head, I said, have a good day at the end of the email. So I've softened the blow. Um, <laughs> that, that did it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I'm good. Facil, right? Right. <laughs> and unbeknownst to me, uh, I'm getting people are circulating emails in the background saying, what, what is Simon's problem? Like he's, he seems so friendly when we chat to him, but he sends these emails. He's upset all the time. And no, I'm not. It's just, it's just, it was all I was used to. So right. <laughs> there's a huge difference in just understanding the corporate world versus the military chain of command and the structures and whatnot. So that was, that was a pretty big one. So <laughs> yeah, one of my landlords will send me emails and it'll be like, if you were late on rent, then you will be, you know, it'll be one strike, blah, blah, blah. Like so formal. I've never been late on rent, never done anything. And it's like a sounds so threatening because there's literally no like, Hey, how are you? You know, happy. You're my tenant. You know, thanks for paying rent on time. It's just literally like, it's like a threat. Like, yeah, exactly. I, I think right. it would piss off like your, your coworkers and stuff. Cause I know that like, that stuff would make it, it hits you when you get an email that just seems so unfriendly. <laughs> oh, very much so. And so I, I have learned to tone things down and take my time. And part of it is because I, you know, I just get my automatic email machine gun out there and I'm blasting out emails all the time. And that was actually the thing that reminded me, okay, if you're using this as your main form of communication, you need to, I'm saying this to myself, mm -hmm. you need to understand that that's your main form of communication. You're having a conversation. How would you do that in the real life? So I, 
you know, I, yes, it takes longer, but again, it's much like learning, you know, reading a book about self-help or, you know, when I go for a run, it's, it's time invested. It's not time wasted. Whereas before I saw that as time wasted. So, gotcha. Yeah. Write it real cold and then just go back, throw an emoji in. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. I use the smiley emoji. It's yeah. It's candy. <laughs> You're also a, a pilot. I guess, well, you were in the armed forces, but I guess you, you fly for a hobby now or you fly for. Yeah, that's correct. So uh, back when I was living in uh, in Cold Lake, Alberta, which is Northern Alberta, and it's just like the name implies, it's it's a very cold giant lake up in Northern Alberta. Uh, there's not much to do. I don't hunt. I don't fish. I didn't have an ATV or a snowmobile. So I didn't know what else I was going to do. So I decided to spend $16,000. <laughs> and get my private pilot's license. So I, I started that and that had always been a passion of mine. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so, you know, I wanted to be able to keep doing that. And then unfortunately, not unfortunately, the reality is life kicks in. My daughter is starting to grow up, you know, life, kids, it just happens. Right. And then all of a sudden I've got no money and I've got no time. And then, and it went to the wayside. But when I started this program, this, this master of arts and leadership program, it made me realize that I also need to take the time for me and not just worry about work and focus on the passions. And so because of that, I was, I got back into running and, and I went and I bought a motorcycle cause, cause I can. And, and, you know, and then I, once, once I had the opportunity to be able to afford the flying, now I've gotten back into that and I've got a couple of flights and I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm getting, it's the reminder areas. So it's good, but I, I just love it. There's nothing quite like getting up at uh, about 6,000 feet AGL and looking around and it's just you and the airplane drone in a way it's it's fantastic i love it i have a few friends that just recently got their pilot's license and yeah, i can't do it <laughs> <laughs> i totally get it if it helps uh i, don't, I wouldn't say i have a, a crushing fear of heights but i definitely have a respect for being on the ground yeah and it's 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 just like anything. You just get in and do it. I, I, I can't imagine throwing myself out of a perfectly good aircraft. So yeah, see, I've done that a few times. I've gone parachuting, but I had the parachute on. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> the airplane doesn't have no parachute. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, and I can't even imagine. I can't even wrap my mind around. Okay. You want me to get out of the airplane that's working fine? That, that's crazy. <laughs> it's funny. We all view things slightly different. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So now you're also starting a podcast called Trench Leadership. That's correct. Yes. What, what's uh, the... No, you go. I cut you off. No, no. I was going to ask what you were about to answer. What's your overall uh, idea for the podcast? Okay. Yeah, for sure. And, and thanks for that. I appreciate you letting me talk about the podcast a bit. It happens to be that uh, it's called Trench Leadership, a podcast from the front. And again, like everything over the last couple of years, this, this went back to my Master of Arts in Leadership program, the degree program. And once I realized, okay, I, I need to, I want to, I, maybe I'm going to do something else out other than the military. And if I'm going to follow things, I knew I still needed for myself to give back somehow. And I mean, I didn't know what that was going to be or how I was going to keep doing that. How could I follow this passion, this, this love of education that I discovered? How could I keep doing that forward in a realistic sense? Because the, a very large fear that I think most people have when they get to the end of a large education program is, how am I, what, what do I do with this now? How do I, how do, what do I do with this crazy amount of, of books that I just read? So I, I bounced around a little bit and it was around that time I started listening to leadership podcasts. And, and I happened to notice that in my view, I saw there, there tended to be three types of leadership podcast genres. 
the first one tends to be C-suiters. So CEOs, CFOs, COOs, whatever, you get the idea. Mm-hmm. And they're in there and they're talking about, you know, how they, they were in, in my pod, episode zero, zero, I use the joke about the Nakatomi Corporation. If anyone who's around my age, you'll understand what I'm talking about. And you know how they how they led the Nakatomi Corporation doing forward watch Die Hard, and and then and then oh, you know, okay. <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> that worked <laughs> and, and and then you know and how they how they were leading tens of thousands of people and this is how you can be a leader well great that doesn't talk to a new leader that doesn't talk to an emerging leader or someone who's a team leader or even a middle management at the point where I'm at and then and then I noticed there tends to be a, a whole bunch of faith based uh, leadership podcasts and again I'm I'm not saying anything negative about anyone let's be clear about that you know but i found i found it tended to be a lot of pastors and they were saying that you know with with faith and with with belief you can be a great leader and again i'm not saying i disagree with that but it's a very niche group and it still doesn't talk specifically to emerging leaders and then the other the other third group was kind of a mishmash of super niche groups you know people who have clear iphone cases with a with a big apple on the back and it, you know they happen to have a blue shirt with white stripes on it you know it's like super super niche and again now that's too specific so that's i said wow I sh-. and then the other thing that happened to me was i like wow i really wish i had learned about this and i kept hearing that as i was going through my program and as i was getting uh senior leadership training programs in the military I remember thinking to myself, as I was learning about systems thinking as a brand new master warrant officer, thinking, I sure wish I had heard about this when I was a master corporal, which is in the Canadian military, our first leadership rank level, you know, and it's four or five rank levels earlier. So I kept thinking that and I said, oh, well, maybe maybe I could make a podcast about this. This is great. And, And even then, I still didn't even know if if that was a plausible, a plausible thing to do. So in the ELP program, what you have to do is you write a paper and then you have to write what's called an associated knowledge product. So most people draft up an infographic. It's a pretty picture with the results of all your, your uh, research and whatnot. And again, that's great, but I wanted to do something different. So I said, you know what, I'm going to make a three-part miniseries podcast to a meet the project requirements. And then see if I even can make a podcast that doesn't sound, you know, too bad. So sure enough, I made that. It worked very well. I got great reviews. Next thing you know, bingo, bango, bongo. Trench Leadership, a podcast from the front was was created. And the idea is, and I apologize, this has been a long-winded type way to get there. That's okay. The whole point of Trench Leadership is to help emerging leaders be the very best that they want to be by providing them inspiration, advice, and practical tools to actually do the the day-to-day requirements of being a leader and kind of a little bit of a broad perspective, some systems thinking type of holistic overviews of under things to understand that right now you're a brand new leader. This is how we can help you fix the challenges you're seeing right now, but very soon you're going to move up in that, that whatever your particular chain of command is, and we're going to be there to give you the tools to, so you're ready when you step into that. That's the whole the whole pre- premise of the of the podcast. Okay, I think you're going to have a lot of unique perspectives because because of, of where you're coming from. So I, I think it's 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 a great idea for you to be putting that together. Thank you, I appreciate that a lot. Yeah, I went to the website. I liked little cartoony look of the soldiers <laughs> and the. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic! Yeah, yeah, I I stumbled across that and I was like, oh, this is this is great. I love this, right? And. Yeah, it's, it's good. And it launches this coming Monday. So Monday, July 12th, and I've got four trailers and episode zero zero out right now. Episode zero zero talks about 
you know, why I got, why I got into this podcast and, and how it can help helping emerging leaders move forward. Uh, it's at trenchleadership.ca. So that's correct. Leadership.ca. And we'll put a link, we'll put a link underneath the, the podcast and the YouTube and on your, on your page that we're going to make. So it will have it all over the place for you. Oh, I would really appreciate that. Thanks so much. Of Let's course. get that word out there. <laughs> of course, of course. Well, thank you, Simon. Again, this has been a Dweebs Global production where you can go for free mentorship help. Completely free, completely confidential. It's dweebsglobal.org. So thanks again, Simon. And um, I'll be on again next week. Great. Thanks a lot. Take care.